Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. We're back from a wonderful, relaxing, and in many cases, sunny all-star break. Colby and I chat with Sam Lafferty as the Blackhawks get back to work for the second half of the season. Sam Lafferty, by the way, one of the most interesting guys on the team off ice, a two-sport athlete, Ivy League educated, from Western PA, lots to talk about as we get to know Sam Lafferty. That's all ahead on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. And welcome back. want to reintroduce my co-host Colby Cohen to this week's episode. Colby, how was your all-star break? It was good. Very relaxing. Lots of sun. Uh, lots of time in the water. So I uh, cannot complain at all. And, and coming back to Chicago, it was like 45, 50 degrees today, which was a nice little way to ease back in to this Chicago weather. How was your break? It was good. I was parked on a beach in Miami, South Beach specifically. The weather was beautiful. The water temperature, you know, on the Atlantic side versus the Gulf side, the Atlantic side tends to be a little bit cooler, but the Atlantic water was very warm and pleasant. Uh, I, are you a are you a water bug? By the way, you you like getting in the in the water a little bit. I mean, I will tell you this: I love the water, um, especially when it's clear. I am definitely somebody who is very scared of sharks. I am like consciously scared of sharks. So whenever I'm in the ocean. Um, like even when I get convinced to go snorkeling or something like that, which we did this summer when we were in Hawaii, the whole time, uh, we were snorkeling. I was like scanning where just looking around. So I do love the water. I love the pool the most. Um, but, but I do, I mean, like I said, I spent a week just now uh, in Florida in the water in, in one way or another. So I, I, uh, I'm a water bug. I, I think that's fair. But but clear water. Water I can see to the bottom. So those sharks, some they're not they're not afraid to come in, in shallow sometimes. So just be careful. Be careful. I, I, it's something that's always on my mind, I promise. Well, here we go, ready to start the second half of the season. And it, it it's going to be a whirlwind of two plus months for the Blackhawks. Some long road trips in there. Of course, the trade deadline is now less than a month away, but one of the many hockey-related articles that came out over the, the week-long All-Star break it didn't happen to be related to the All-Star game really at all, but it, it had to do with NHL teams' prospect rankings, and, and the Blackhawks checked in at number five per the Athletics' ranking of prospect systems. And again, if you've been following this, this Blackhawks rebuild led by general manager Kyle Davidson, this is priority number one and that is replenishing the, the talent and the depth in the farm system. And this certainly is a good indication that things are going in the right direction there, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, and there's just so much to really unpack there, Chris. And, and I, it starts really with the fact that, you know, Kyle Davidson has spent a lot of time watching prospects himself. And, and that's not always the case for a general manager. A lot of times GMs are on the road with the team 24-7. They might go see one or two prospects, 
you know, one or two viewings on certain prospects that they're interested in. But, you know, Kyle's had, uh, you know, more of an opportunity to see guys play. Um, you know, I know he saw Kevin Korchinski personally quite a few times last year before we drafted him. Uh, and I think it really kind of speaks volumes to the plan that has been set in place because, you know, the Hawks prospect system last year this time was ranked number 25. Uh, and, and this year it's ranked five. And so that, that's a huge jump. And you've got an opportunity to see some of the players. And, Kev, you know, Kevin Korchinski sits at the top of the list for us as far as prospects go. And he really impressed us in, in training camp. I mean, he, he looked like a player right away with confidence. And, and, you know, this is a guy who is going to be a real good player in the NHL at some point. D take a little bit longer. Um, but but it, it is an exciting time, Chris, and, and I think uh, the plan that was set in place is, is you're starting to see these, these really early stages of it. I'm a baseball guy, you know that, and you know about 10 years ago, 2013, 2014, the Chicago Cubs had the best farm system in Major League Baseball. It was, it was unanimous, all the major publications agreed, and then Two, three years later, boom, there they are in the World Series, winning the World Series. So that's that's where this starts, and I, I think that's very exciting and encouraging to see the, the Blackhawks really turning heads from the talent that they already have in their farm system just about one year into this rebuild now. And, and looking at the current roster, Sam Lafferty, I, I think, was in, in many ways the start of the of the Kyle Davidson era, the, the first trade that Kyle Davidson made with the interim. Uh, he was still interim general manager at the time. Excuse me. This was January of 2022. But the, the kind of player that Sam Lafferty is, speed-oriented, we learned a couple of months later when Kyle Davidson was announced as the full-time general manager this is the kind of player that that he wants in the Blackhawks farm system. So we've seen Sam Lafferty have a, have a career season this year in his first full season with the Blackhawks. And he's our featured guest today. And I think uh, fans are, are really going to enjoy getting to know a little bit more about Sam off the ice as well. And, and the many interests that he has. So without further ado, here is Sam Lafferty on the Blackhawks insider podcast. Thrilled to be joined by Sam Lafferty on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Fresh off the All-Star break, Sam, you were just telling us that you were in Arizona for the week off, and you hiked Camelback Ranch, got some golf in, so feeling rested and refreshed for the second half of the season? Yeah, definitely. Nice to get some sun. It's been a while, and I uh, feel good. I think all the boys are real excited to be back and had a couple good practices, and Definitely excited for tomorrow night. Are you a are you a sunscreen guy, Sam? I mean, you know, I know. Like, <laughs> look at you. I'm sure you're surprised to hear me ask that, given this sounds gorgeous like he's tan taking a little shot at you. That's what that it sounds like. That I came like. back with. I, I was in Miami over the All Star break, and I, as you can tell, I came back with this gorgeous tan. But yeah. uh, no, I looked like you did a good job too, Sam. Uh, you're an SPF 30, SPF 50 guy like me. I, <laughs> uh, you know, I probably should be. Um, yeah, my mom probably won't be happy to hear that, but uh, yeah, I forgot to put it on every day, but didn't get too burned. So, yeah, I was well, like, I'm I'm glad Chris started out this conversation with you, Sam, because 
you know, just, just looking into your past a little bit, everybody knows you're a good hockey player. So we'll, we'll save the hockey part for the end. I, I, I want to ask you about golf, you know, because I don't think a lot of people would know this necessarily about you. Uh, you know, two sport division one athlete at, at Brown university. I mean, you know, it's one thing to, to be a division one hockey player, but then you throw golf on top of it. I mean, I, I saw that you competed in the, division one ivy league championships for golf i mean you got to be a pretty ridiculously good golfer to be able to play at that level and and i think i saw a quote from a player in the league about brady shea being the best golfer in the nhl so now i'm like well has brady shea ever played with sam lafferty because from what i understand you're a scratch golfer um yeah, I, I can't. Uh, I've never played with Brady Shea, but I'm sure he's a good player. I, I know uh, Joe Pavelski, I think, is, is a good player. He did pretty well in that celebrity event in Tahoe last year, and I know there's a few others. It'd be fun if we did, like, a, a tournament in the summer and we could get get everyone together and, and settle that, but uh, we'll see. It just, uh, since I was a little kid, it's always been hockey and golf. Just the seasons worked really well and um, played through high school, and then went to Brown and was lucky enough to uh, just walk onto the golf team once the hockey season was over and uh, no big deal <laughs> play a few tournaments got me out <laughs> 6 a.m. lifts uh, with the boys so I'd go to the golf course instead so it was a fun little thing to do in the springtime there and uh, got to play in some tournaments so it was, it was a win-win for everybody well and, and I think that um you know, there's a lot of good athletes in the NHL. You know, I think there's a lot of guys that at least I've seen that, that I think could have probably been really good at other sports, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse, you know, fast moving, highly, you know, athletic level sports. But golf is a very technical sport just because, you know, a lot of hockey players can hit the ball far, you know, like I can hit the ball far, but I, I'm not a good golfer. I, I'm technically, I haven't put the time or, or practice into, you know, the short game and all that. I mean, how, how many rounds are you playing in the summer? Like, is it training in the morning, you know, a little nutrition, maybe a little bit of ice and then right to the golf course? Like, how do you stay sharp? Golf is a hard game to not, you know, keep. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's one of those things we obviously don't get to play a whole lot during the season. I played a fair amount in the summer, not too much, but uh, it's almost like you you said it's technical. It's like you forget a lot of those maybe bad habits you pick up over <laughs> for a while. So I get out there fresh and kind of don't have any expectations. Sometimes you hit it a little better. So uh, it's always fun to play. Like if we're in San Jose or, or somewhere nice, we get a day off. It's, it's always fun to go out there with the boys and, and get around in. What's the best part of your golf game? Ooh, um, probably, probably my two iron. If I just gotta <laughs> gotta get the ball and play, just two like, iron. Yeah, I like to just like a driving iron's not as uh, crazy as it sounds. It's actually pretty easy to hit off the tee, so it's my go-to just to get the ball in the fairway. Any courses that you've gotten an opportunity to play that just completely like wowed you and blew you away? Yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to play Pebble Beach um, a couple summers ago with some of my high school buddies, and uh, yeah, it was a day I'll never forget. It was uh, it, everything you hear about it and then some, just uh, just an unbelievable experience. Who do you think's got the best drive on the 
Blackhawks team. You think can just smoke the ball, you know, like three hundred distance. Yeah, distance. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably say Taser. He really. Uh, <laughs> He's got that lower body strength. Yeah, he really gets his lower body into it. He's uh, <laughs> he can really send it out there. What what's the what's the correlation, if any, between the the skill set in hockey versus the skill set in golf? I mean, you know, and to broaden the, the the scope a little bit, one of the hot button issues in sports right now is: well, should you specialize in one sport while you're growing up, or should you get involved in multiple sports and kind of develop a more well-rounded skill set as someone who had a sport for each season hockey and golf did did you think that being good in one helped you be good in the other yeah great question I think definitely um, I don't think kids should specialize too early I think uh, golf definitely helped the touch a little bit and um, yeah just uh, just felt like they went almost hand in hand a good mix they're very different but um, yeah, I think you look at hockey players, even around the greens, uh, some of the, some of the touch and it's almost like you're throwing a saucer pass sometimes around the greens. So, um, yeah, I, I think definitely once one helps the other. Well, and, and I definitely feel like when you get on the tee, I mean, obviously there's differences, but you know, you got to turn your hands over, you're transferring your weight from your back to your front. I mean, there's definitely a number of things that I, I always felt very natural, you know, swinging a golf club, especially on the tee, feeling like there was a lot of similarities to taking a slap shot. There was a lot of similarities to swinging a baseball bat. I mean, those were, you know, sports that I that I personally kind of grew up playing. And, you know, I, I definitely have seen guys that are silky on the ice be able to get on the green. Like, I, I don't know if Kaner is much of a golfer, but I know he plays, and I've actually heard he's pretty good, right? I, I bet you he's sick around the greens because he just has that control and command with his hands. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's probably the first guy that came to mind when I was I was thinking about the touch around the greens. But, yeah, it's <laughs> definitely, uh, yeah, he's probably maybe a little better on the ice, probably maybe the best to ever do it with the saucer pass and, and everything like that. But, uh Definitely, definitely some translation there for him too. So, so when you were at Brown, were you just taking taking the hockey guys golfing in the spring, maybe, and just hustling them, uh, taking their money off of them left and right, or what? <laughs> yeah, well, if there's the chance to, I definitely, uh, definitely would try to to get some money on the line. But uh, no, I think they uh, they found out pretty quick that probably wasn't uh, wasn't the way to do it. <laughs> Sam, I never picked up a, a golf club in my life until last last year outside outside of mini golf and I, I've, I've been to the driving range a few times now and actually over the all-star break I went to a top golf down in Miami and it was good to just kind of brush off the rust a little bit and and kind of re-remember some of the the very limited things that I had learned last summer at the driving range so sometime I, I'm gonna have somebody record my my swing and maybe I'll have you take a look and give you some pointers would you be okay with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure thing. That'd be, uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Did did was it ever? Did you have to pick between? I mean, at, at some point, obviously, you had to. But were you ever considering trying a career in in professional golf? Um, probably had to kind of narrow the focus when I was. I think I was like sixteen or seventeen. Like uh, I was in boarding school, and it was the summertime, and it was kind of like do I go to a play in a golf tournament or do I go to a showcase for hockey? And 
uh, my parents kind of nudged me in the right direction. I'm, I'm glad I chose hockey and was always kind of a, was definitely a little better suited for it. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy the way it worked out. Good life skill to have too, Colby, you know, that that's why I'm picking it up now. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, just looking at, at your sort of trajectory, you went to Deerfield, which is obviously, uh, you know, it's a big name prep school. Um, there's always opportunities. And if I remember correctly from personally going through that whole prep school, I didn't actually play in prep school, but we went, we looked at some of those prep schools. Don't they make you play multiple varsity or at least play multiple sports when you're in prep school in the different seasons? I could be misremembering that, but I thought that's how it went. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. So I went as a 10th grade, uh, 10th grade year. And in the fall, trying to figure out what sport to play. There's a lot of incoming hockey players trying to figure out the same. So we ended up playing soccer. And uh, oh. wasn't we weren't the prettiest out there. We uh, yeah didn't make the varsity, didn't make the JV. <laughs> we ended up uh, on the third soccer team. <laughs> and, yeah, mostly playing against like other teams, ninth graders and, uh, and stuff like that. And a lot of yellow cards out there. You know, just, just gonna ask. I, I was just gonna ask you the, the Sam Lafferty wheels on ice, where it was a transition to the soccer field, or were you just getting one card after another for being too physical? We were all getting a lot of yellow cards out there. It was, uh, yeah, it wasn't the prettiest, but uh, I guess got us in shape for the hockey season. Did, did you have to repeat a year when you went to Brown? Was or did you stay true to your grade? I uh, I mean, sorry, Deerfield. I, I said did, Brown yeah, I, Deerfield. Yeah, I, I repeated a year um, when I went in. So so you get the high school diploma from Deerfield, which which is very prestigious. And then it's off to the Ivy Leagues. Was that part of your parents' sort of guidance that, like, academia was, was really important? I mean, you got a degree from Brown, which is as, as high level as it gets. You, you graduated high school, I believe, from Deerfield. I, I, you didn't go back to your – your hometown school did you so no. I, I, that's high level academics right there they my parents i give them all the credit they uh that was a huge priority it was always you know school first and and uh the way they looked at it is if if hockey could help me get into a, a good college then they kind of did their job so um that was yeah that was kind of their their end goal at the end of the day and uh for me hockey was probably always first but definitely uh prioritize school you know, when I needed to. Um, so yeah, credit to them. All right, Sam, I'm sorry to ask, but is it, it's the Brown bears. That's correct. Okay. So it, listen, it, Colby and I, you know, smart, we're, we're two smart guys, not quite on, on the Ivy league level yet. So from an outside Ivy league perspective, where, where's like, who's Brown's biggest arch rival, you know, it's Harvard and Yale. And then, Dartmouth and Princeton, right? How, how does Brown kind of factor into the Ivy League landscape? Yeah, I guess we're uh, we're kind of uh, I don't know. We, we we call a lot of those schools our rivals. So uh-huh. yeah, they like you said, Harvard, Yale. We we'd probably say those two. Uh, probably everyone else would would say someone else before us. So maybe flying under the radar a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, all, all those Ivy League schools, those were kind of rivalry games, I guess, playing, you know, those old ranks and a lot of history. So uh, pretty much every time we, we played any of those teams, it was kind of like a rivalry game. 
do you and Colin Blackwell ever swap stories? Colin Blackwell went to went to and played at Harvard, obviously. Any kind of trash talk there? Yeah, he's a, he's a Harvard guy, so obviously he's uh, been a little more spoon fed than more, <laughs> <laughs> more blue, blue collar Brown University. But uh, yeah, it's always fun. That's uh, yeah, a lot a lot of those guys uh, still playing pro hockey, so it's it's fun to talk about the college days sometimes. What what was the academic like at Brown? Just I because I was living in Providence. I think some of the years you were actually there, you know, playing for the Providence, you know, American League team, and and used to hang with uh, a goalie and and a, and a forward, Chris Zares and Anthony Borelli. They were buddies of mine from kind of growing up, and and they used to tell me how hard the academics were for the you know for those guys. Like it was not. You kind of hear stories about the hockey guys at Harvard. They get a little bit of special treatment at times. I think they're a little farther <laughs> down the line. But I, I've heard the academics are, are no joke at Brown. Like, your feet get held to the fire when, when it comes to schoolwork over athletics, where, like, at BU, people used to chant safety school about BU. I mean, they used to give us all, all the – uh, uh, they used to give us a hard time about that. And, and look, I, I can be the first to admit, I mean, I was, I was an athlete student, not really a student athlete as they like to quote that term. Yeah. Honestly, it probably depends who you'd ask. You'd, the Harvard guys would probably tell you it's, you know, it's way harder there and we're a safety school, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty manageable to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Just, uh, you know, like I'm sure, you know, just had to, had to get your work done, you know, manage your time. And, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't too, uh, overbearing, I would say. What was your favorite part about just the student experience there is, you know, good campus eats, anything like that? Yeah, it was a cool campus. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Providence, Rhode Island, obviously Colby has, but, uh, just a cool little city, almost like a mini Boston. I'd describe it as. Um, totally agree. Yeah, a lot of great restaurants and and Good just a, fun bars too. Yeah, yeah, just a, a cool city. Um, yeah, I, I loved it there. Great campus. Um, yeah, just just kind of a a cool place. What was that good karaoke bar in, in near Brown on the east side? There was it called Spats. Yeah, yeah, Spats. Okay, it was actually. Uh, my freshman year, it got shut down. They turned it into a, a restaurant, unfortunately. But that was uh, right across from the hockey house, the hockey right? House where a lot of yeah. the guys lived. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you talk about being able to manage the workload and you know what is manageable and what's not, and and I think that you're kind of making this easy on us because it's a it's a good segue into you know, your, your pro career, um, you know, you're, you're a Western PA guy, you get drafted by Pittsburgh, which is kind of a dream for most hockey players. I mean, I, I remember just couldn't wait, you know, thought the flyers were going to draft me being from Philly, you know, and, and just all the feelings surrounded by that. And then you do actually get drafted by your, your, what I assume is your, is your hometown team. You know, I, I read that Mario Lemieux is kind of the inspiration, you know, for you to really kind of get into hockey and then you 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 end up in in pittsburgh mike sullivan you know i I love sully to death but he he can be tough especially on on a young player i mean what do you what do you remember most about that kind of period in your life of of being a pittsburgh penguin and and kind of getting to live out your dream right away not only being a pro but uh being a pro for your hometown team 
definitely a dream come true. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind was uh, the day I got drafted. Um, I think the draft was in Philly, but I uh, wasn't sure when I would go, so I, I didn't actually attend the draft. I was just home on my dad's porch when I got the call and found out it was Pittsburgh. It was uh, yeah, one of the craziest days of my life. It seemed like the whole town was, was really fired up. And then, uh, yeah, I remember my first game for Pittsburgh. Just felt like my whole town was there at the game. And um, play one of my, uh, probably I'd say my favorite player growing up was Sidney Crosby. So, you know, getting to play with him is, is something that, uh, you know, not a, a lot of guys are lucky enough to get to do. And, um, yeah, just honestly loved it in Pittsburgh. The, my whole experience there, giving me a chance to, to get a start in the NHL and, just learning from so many of the great players that, that have come through there. Um, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was, it was just pretty crazy how it worked out. And, and now, Sam, becoming a, a fully-fledged NHL regular with the Blackhawks. Been over a year since you were traded to the organization, January 5, 2022. Looking at this season in particular, you know, you've already set a career high for points in a season, and then there's still some 30-odd games left. What do you think has improved about your style or level of play the most this season? Um, I think uh, maybe just more experience. You you get a little bit smarter with your reads and and knowing where to be on the ice. I'd say that's probably the biggest thing I can point to. That you know everyone in the organization here in Chicago has been great. They've helped me a lot, and I've got a, a lot of opportunity to play in different situations. So. I think just that experience goes such a long way to uh, improving your feel for the game and, and your reads and knowing where to be. So um, obviously I, I like to play with a lot of energy and, and bring that consistently. And I think it's just helped me be a little more efficient, um, you know, with, with where to go at the right times. I got to ask, what goes into getting into a fight? Because you've gotten into a couple this season and, you know, like from our perch, up, up high atop the, the United Center or wherever the Blackhawks are playing, you, you can still tell when guys are, are chirping and jawing. And we've got Colby between the benches, and he picks up on a lot of that stuff. You seem like the silent type. I mean, I, you don't seem to get super engaged vocally, but all of a sudden, you know, when we play back the tape, it's like a couple of stick taps or a wax here and there, and all of a sudden the gloves are off and, and we're swinging. Um, how, how does that, how does that style of your game play out? Uh, it's funny you say that. I, I think back, uh, we were on the father's trip this year and a few of us were lucky enough to kind of get a little fighting lesson from Ty Domi, who <laughs> the best fighter one, ever, best fighter <laughs> ever, of course. And, um, I just, I just think one thing he told us is, uh, you know, don't, don't run your mouth. Like, don't, you want to, he's trying to say like, you know, makes the guy guess when you're not, you know, telling him what you're going to do this or that. So I kind of think of that, you know, hearing it from him, it, it definitely, uh, you know, you, you've got a lot of respect for a guy like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a time and place for it. That's obviously not a, a huge part of my game, but, um, you know, definitely there, there's a time and place for it, I guess. Was there anything he gave you, like, technically that you feel like makes you a little bit of a better fighter when or if that does happen? Yeah, I think uh, one thing he said that stuck out was just try to be calm. I think uh, the tendency is to maybe overextend yourself or, or be a little too jacked up, which which is natural. But 
um, you watch his fight videos and there's some crazy ones. It's, he doesn't look calm, but it maybe feels calm on the inside. And he obviously <laughs> was getting it done. Oh, I remember him dropping the gloves quite a few times in, in the old flyers rivalry, uh, when he, especially when he was in Toronto and I don't remember it ever looking very, <laughs> very calm. Yeah. Maybe it was all an act. Maybe he's just projecting. Maybe he was way more in control than he wanted anyone to believe. Yeah, I think he was just from talking to him. He definitely uh, seemed like he was in control. He, he knew knew what he was doing, and obviously knew how to do it really well. So, uh, and obviously he's he's passed that on to Max. I think when when Max gets in situations, sticking up for your teammate, that's really impressed me this year. And he you know he knows what he's doing. He he doesn't put himself uh, in too vulnerable positions, but still still gets his uh, his punches in. So, um, yeah, obviously it's not as as big of part of the game as is when Ty was playing, but um, you know if you can protect yourself and, and hopefully protect your teammates, that's kind of the the ideal. Well, Sam, speaking of languages, uh, talking versus not talking, body language on the ice. We 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 try to do our due diligence before we have guys come on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast, and and we were informed that you know Mandarin. Is that something that you picked up at Brown? How how fluent are you in Mandarin? <laughs> I so uh, I I really don't know that much Mandarin anymore. Okay. I did uh, in high school. I I took Mandarin for a few years, and I I remember some of the basics. Um, yeah, I was coming from I'm from a small town in Pennsylvania, so when I saw that was an option, uh, you know, to take that, it seemed like pretty crazy. I was pretty tired of taking Spanish. Uh, my public school in Pennsylvania, so it seemed like it'd be fun, and it was it was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, a, a lot of it has has left me. Did so, you did you ever did you ever think about taking Mandarin at Brown? No, no. <laughs> if I all right, if I wanted if I wanted to diss Colby in Mandarin, oh, don't give what, him another language what, to diss me in, please. What, what would I say? How what what's what's you don't even have to tell me what it means, but you know, if, uh, any any kind of breadcrumbs, anything kind of jabs I could maybe throw his way. I, I wish I could give you something. <laughs> okay. but... all right. That's all good. Uh, hockey, all hockey good. guys stick together, Chris. Don't ever forget that. Okay? <laughs> For sure. Well, wait, so you, you brought up your hometown a little bit. Is that ho- It's Holidaysburg, right? Yeah, that's right. Now I remember seeing Holidaysburg in the little league world series over the last couple of years. Did, did you play baseball at all? Is that, was that a sport you were into? Cause I've seen them. Maybe you've seen them in it a couple of different times. Yeah, they did. They they had a pretty good run last year. They uh, yeah, a team from Holidaysburg made it all the way to Williamsport. Um, I played baseball growing up. We had some some good teams. I just played through little league. We never, uh, for whatever reason, we never tried. I wish we would have tried to to go play in that tournament. But um, really, it was cool seeing the boys from my hometown uh, last year on ESPN. Yeah, I always get excited when I see a PA team doing well. I mean, I know obviously Eastern PA and Western PA are pretty much different countries, but certainly uh, exciting to see. And, and, you know, speaking of exciting, I I remember you and I talking a little bit about this in the beginning of the season. Um, You know, just some of the exciting moments that you've got kind of going on around your life and and we talked about the world championships, you know, something you got to do this past summer. 
you know, you, you get to put on that USA jersey, which is obviously an incredible honor and, and um, go over, represent the country, play with some different players, uh, play with some different coaches. And, and I always like to ask guys about this experience, especially guys who it's their first time, because I, I just think putting that jersey on with that crest and those colors is just so special. Yeah, it was crazy. It was my first time representing uh, the United States uh, in a tournament, and um, it really was. It was pretty surreal putting on that jersey for the first time, I'm not going to lie. And uh, we we had a pretty good run. We uh, we had a good team, played hard, uh, and, uh, you know, we were well coached. We, we played to our structure and uh, just came up a little short in the semifinal game. But uh, it was a cool opportunity, something I'd, uh, you know, it, Obviously, any time you, you get a chance to represent your country, I'd I'd absolutely jump at that opportunity. So it was uh, something I'd love to do again. Uh, hopefully, I'm lucky enough to get to do it. What a, what a year 2022 was! You know, get you get traded, uh, you play World Championships, you get married. Uh, you know, so 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 many highlights, and and all that to say, congratulations on on tying the knot and. All very exciting stuff, and um, you know, has it uh, has, has it sunk in that that you're married? Any honeymoon plans for for after the season or anything like that? Uh, nothing in stone yet, but definitely uh, definitely would want to go on a honeymoon sometime this summer, and uh, yeah, just just have to figure that out. Um, my wife's a Canadian uh, citizen. Um, so in the process of getting her green card, so a lot of it just depends where we'll go. will depend on whether, uh, that comes <laughs> gotta to be able to, so. gotta be able to let her back into the country. Right. Well, if, exactly. uh, if you, if you need a good recommendation, my wife and I took our honeymoon last summer we went to, uh, Maui and it was, uh, it was unbelievable. Definitely, definitely a, a trip that we walked away from thinking, you know, we, we picked the right place. So. Uh, can't go wrong. You don't have to go through customs. You you leave yeah. the airport. You call an Uber. It's so easy. So, I uh, I'll I'll uh, live and die by that one. That that was a great one for us. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. It might uh, I've heard that. I think uh, Jake McCabe was did the same and had great things to say. So we might have to uh, take you up on that. Yeah, we ran into a couple of other uh, hockey people there, and then I saw a number of guys who who went who play on the West Coast. They went for their All Star break. You, you you can't go wrong. So we'll we'll catch up as the season goes along, and uh, you know if it if it comes to it, I'll I'll definitely give you some good recs. Yeah, sounds great. Well, Sam, it's 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 been great having you on the team from a from a broadcast perspective. You know, we we certainly echo what has already been said that. You bring a lot of positivity and energy to the team off the ice. You're fun to watch on the ice. And congratulations on the on the personal and career milestones in the past 12 months. And we're really excited to, to get back to work with the second half of the season. Thanks very much for coming on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. And, uh, yeah, excited for the, the rest of the way and, and getting back to action here. So uh, appreciate it. I don't know if, if Sam Lafferty's a beer drinker at all, specifically Dosa Keese, but, I mean, one of the most interesting men in the world, <laughs> Sam Lafferty. Just finding out that he's a scratch golfer, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm just 
I have so many more, so many more questions for him. You know, like I, I, I want to get on the golf course and, and play 18 with them. And, and, uh, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, and, and you just see what he's been able to do and, and, uh, since he's coming here and, you know, one thing we didn't even get into it with him, and this has got to be so challenging for him is, is trade speculation. I mean, his name is everywhere right now and it's a feather in his cap. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it shows you how valuable he is as a player when every playoff team is, is calling about Sam Lafferty. I mean, whether it happens or not, we have no idea, you know, these things happen way over our head, but it, it's uh, it shows how valuable of a player and a, and, a, and a guy he is. And, you know, whatever happens, if he's here, awesome. We love having him here. And if he's somewhere else, we're going to root for him to, to try to go win a cup. Totally. And I, I would just say selfishly related to the trade speculation. I mean, I, I hope he's around. I've really enjoyed getting to know him this season. We had his, his stepdad on a broadcast earlier this year around Christmas time. And uh, yeah, getting getting to know I you know the the Pebble Beach pro am just wrapped up over, over the weekend. Aaron Rodgers won it. Maybe maybe Sam Lafferty's going to be taking home some some pro am golf hardware at some point later in his career. We'll see. Uh, so we're celebrating that, and let's move into sellies and chirps now, where we bring a topic to the table and invite. The other co-host, only two of us this week, to celebrate or chirp it and uh, certainly invite plenty of discussion from our listeners as well. By the way, uh, if you want to get involved in the show in any way, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave comments on our YouTube page. Use the hashtag Blackhawks mailbag on your Twitter posts if you have questions, um, questions you want us to ask future guests. Topics for sellies and chirps, just let us know. There are ways to get involved. But, Colby, why don't you get things going here? Look, I think it's a perfect time to talk about All-Star because it just passed. It just happened this past weekend. You know, the Blackhawks had Seth Jones there as a representative. Um, but, but you know, my selly and chirp for this week is, is really how do people feel and, and how do you feel about the All-Star game, about the skills competition? I think the NHL has you know, over the last 10 years, tried a number of different things, you know, uh, different divisional, you know, teams, three on three, you know, they've tried having events that in the skills competition that coincide with the location in Vegas, there was some fun stuff at the Bellagio. Um, This year, there was different events on the beach and on the golf course. And on growing up, you know, I remember all-star games being East versus West uh, two teams, five on five, um, you know, and, and the games would be high scoring, but but they would be um, intense. And there was like little games within the games going on. I mean, I remember one year Jeremy Roenick was out there throwing his body around, uh, laying some hits on guys, which is, you know, if you know anything about JR, that's definitely kind of par for the course with him, obviously a Chicago Blackhawk legend. So, uh, I guess my, my question to you, Chris, is, is, you know, having an opportunity to see and sort of be deeply involved in hockey now, uh, are you celebrating or are you chirping the all-star skills and the all-star game, the way it's set up, the format, uh, and just the, sort of the way they go about presenting all-star weekend? Well, 
first of all, I, I think that this is an issue that's certainly not just in the NHL. I think it's across all four major sports. Just finding a way to make these events competitive and and worth watching. Uh, you know, I, I think the way that pro sports is now, there there's such an underlying injury concern that there's no way you're going to get these guys to go. 100% in, in an exhibition game. And I think, you know, originally that, that, that's what, I think that's what I want as a fan more than anything is, is I, I want to see Crosby and Ovechkin playing on the same line and, uh, you know, treating it like it's a real game. I understand why that might not just be a reality anymore. So I, I applaud the NHL's efforts to try and do things different Personally, I like the the whole division sort of tournament. I don't really get that. I don't I don't find it as compelling as if it were just east versus west. And I think I think one way to really stoke these guys' competitive drives is if, you know, you you you, you treated it like a real game, put the Eastern Conference All-Stars with the Western Conference All-Stars and and made it, you know, made it a battle of, for playing time. You know, and I think some guys would start to to play more, play their shifts a little bit harder if they if they weren't getting as much playing time or if they were seeing another guy that they consider a peer get get more time on the ice. As far as Savage. the skills Savage. I mean I lo- I love it. I listen, I love how I love your savage approach to it. Shorten the bench. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Shorten the bench. Um as far as the skills competition goes, I got a kick out of it. I, I liked some of the fun things that they did. I, I really liked when the players were outside shooting pucks at surfboards with, with one guy in the dunk tank. I'm not sure that Fort Lauderdale is really a surfing town. I think you have to go up the Atlantic coast to really get to the, the, the prime waves uh, on, on floor, in Florida anyway. But be that as it may, I still enjoyed some of that stuff. However, again, it, I just didn't get the sense that that the players were trying really hard necessarily, especially in the Tendy tandem. It was just, I mean, guys were yeah. going like 50%. And so I also think that it was an event that was structured from a television perspective too and was not really... I don't think it was a good event to watch if you were in person because they were doing so many events outside of the arena that were pre-taped. So right. they were trying to do things differently. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, though, just no one was really trying, it seemed like. And I understand why. But uh, that's kind of the question that that MLB, NBA, NFL, I mean, they're playing flag football in, in, in the Pro Bowl now. So, but it got But it got pretty heated. That got pretty heated. I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I saw... I forget which which D back it was, but someone absolutely smoked Tyreek Hill, um, and like literally like depleted him in, in in the flag football game. So, you know, I, I I did I I did see some of that as well. But from a player's perspective, though, does anybody watch the who who is watching the NHL All Star Game? I mean, I'm not sure many players or coaches. Are I, I you know it, it's it's really a fan event. Yeah, it, it's totally a fan event. I think players and coaches are are watching are are spending this time 
getting away. I really do. I think people really take this bye week and all-star break weekend as an opportunity to recharge their batteries. I think most guys are laying in the sun, you know, drinking a beer uh, over the weekend. So um, I, I, I'm with you, Chris. Like, it's funny. Like, I, I, I get it. I really do. And I applaud the NHL trying to be creative. Like I'm always down for us trying new things, finding ways to incorporate people, trying to get fans closer to the players. Um, But I agree. Like it's tough because it's almost seems like it's uncool to try. And I just remember growing up watching all-star games in like the nineties where it was like guys tried. I remember Ray Bork with the accuracy shooting and JR with the accuracy shooting and Paul Coffey and the fastest skater. And like these guys were giving an effort trying to win these events. And I, I guess that's the thing. Like, how do you incentivize? I've seen people say, well, the winning team should, every team in the winning conference should get a f- two points added to their point total. Um, like I've just seen different suggestions, like nothing that I've really liked yet, but I do agree. Like they gotta, they gotta keep tweaking with it. And, and I did watch a little bit of the NFL's like pro bowl and like all the skills competition stuff they did. And I actually thought some of it was interesting. I know some of it was goofy, but I was like kind of thinking like some of these things, like I, again, they're trying different things and, and I appreciate that too. So I I'm with you. I think we kind of see it in a very similar manner. Um, but at the end of the day, it is for the fans. And, and I think the fans like it. And now I, I will leave you with this. And I saw this in the American league hot in the American hockey league, all-star skills comp last night. Uh, it's in Laval, Quebec. So not quite South Florida, but they took the glass out for the skills competition along the sides So, like, it's just boards along the sides. Now, obviously, behind the net, they still need glass for any of the different shooting things going on. But that basically put fans right there. And players could sort of go over to the boards, and they could sign autographs, and they could interact with people. And the building was, I mean, probably oversold. I mean, it's in Quebec. Next year in Toronto, the building will be totally oversold as well, right? But I thought that was a really cool touch by the American League, taking the glass out giving fans an even closer look towards the players. I get it. There's safety risk involved with that. Somebody could jump on the ice. Somebody could do something stupid. That's always something that you have to be cognizant of. But I thought that that was a really cool idea by the American Hockey League. Um, Give them a lot of credit. Maybe that'll get adopted next year in the NHL All-Star Skills Competition. Um, But but yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of a predicament. I don't have a real strong idea to put forward. Normally when I have a a strong opinion about something, I like to not just have an opinion. I like to at least have an idea that how I feel like it could be improved. And I don't really have that here. I don't know what they should do, but I do think they need to continue to search for what the right mix is for the weekend. I I just want to say that I think that's a great idea by the AHL to take the glass away like that. I, I totally agree because that that's one thing that makes the NBA all-star game and, and really just NBA games in general extra compelling is that you have such a, I mean, it, it's for all intents and purposes, no barrier between players and, and that front row of fans. And in all-star game, NBA all-star games I've watched, you know, in some, some cases fans are, are almost coming onto the court during these games, it's much more interactive with the players because 
there's not the, the, the ice or boards component. So I, I, I think that's a great idea and maybe something that the NHL will experiment with in, in future All-Star weekends. Quickly, Colby, my celly or chirp is the bean. No, not the Chicago bean, but the New York bean. The Big Apple has, I don't know, decided to try and copy the Windy City by installing a bean sculpture of its own. Now, it, it, it's been done by the same sculptor that did the Chicago bean in Millennium Park. But come on. Sell out. I mean, is who, who on earth would, unless, unless it's, I mean, we're not going to put a bean in every city. I just don't see why anyone would celebrate this. I, I'm not celebrating it at all. Um, because before I knew anything about Chicago, other than like Chicago sports, I knew about the bean. Like the bean is totally synonymous with the city. Um, I think it's kind of a weird play by New York to do that. Uh, I know it's like a great touristy type of thing where people love to take pictures and whatnot, but I mean, I hope they paid that architect or designer a lot of money because like I'm saying that's like a little bit of a sellout move to, and I'm sure if he, it wasn't him, someone else would have done it. So I got, all right, I get it. But like, I'm not, I'm not celebrating it. I think Chicago is the bean. There are certain things about Manhattan that are very Manhattan and they couldn't go anywhere else. So I'm with you on this one yet again. I think this is a, when I read that article, I, I kind of raised my eyebrows like, really? Like, that's a little bit weird. It's like, it's not even in a park. It's just crammed onto a street corner. Like near a hotel, right? Right yeah, out, isn't like, it by a hotel? It, or an apartment building or something. It's yeah. just not even, not even in, in any kind of open space. Not that there is much in, in Manhattan, but. A little bit of a reach. All, all good. All good to know that those New Yorkers. I mean, they they're they're trying to be like Chicago. Who can who can blame them? I guess. And you know, I guess I, I'm not even going to get into the pizza discussion. Well, I, I was just going to say, if they want to copy Chicago, they should start putting their <laughs> trash behind buildings and not right out on the the sidewalk. Because honestly, like that was the first thing my wife and I noticed. You know, she lived in New York for ten years and just there's no trash in Chicago because people have alleys. They, they put their trash behind their houses and behind their businesses. And in New York, it's just, hey, let's just dump it right out on the curb and let everybody smell it and enjoy it. I'm sure that'll go over well. We all got problems. That's, that's for sure. Well, we are back on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. The second half of the season is upon us. And be sure to continue to tune in. For the remainder of the season, it's going to be a fun ride. New episodes every Wednesday. For Colby Cohen, I'm Chris Vosters. For Kaylee Chelios, Jenna Rose, and Trevor Bray, we are signing off, and we will talk to you next week on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast.